Thanks for listening to Against the Mat Wrestling Podcast. We upload new episodes every Monday and Friday. Be sure to listen to Uncaged Voice on Twitch or YouTube and listen to the Red Pill Current News Podcast on all major audio platforms every Wednesday and Saturday for current news and special interviews. Here are your hosts, Donny Cage and the Kentucky Guy. Aha, and welcome to Against the Mat Wrestling Podcast. I'm one of your co-hosts, the Kentucky Guy. And I'm your other co-host, Donnie Cage. Mr. Cage, how's it going, sir? Fantastic. Another Another day above ground, which I'm always happy for. There you go. Somebody asked me that earlier, and I was like, well, if I to be any better, I'd have to take a pill, you know? <laughs> All right, folks, so if this is your first time listening, be sure to hit that follow or subscribe button no matter which platform you're listening to. Also hit that notification so you know every time we upload a new episode, we do upload two episodes a week, normally on Tuesdays and Saturdays. Sometimes that varies when things come up, but uh, we try to maintain that schedule. Uh, also, Mr. K- we are on uh, iHeartRadio, Pandora, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple, Pod- Apple iTunes, Amazon Music, and the list goes on. 73 different audio platforms. Also, Mr. Cage has his, uh, another podcast that he co-hosts with. Go ahead and tell him about Uncaged Voice, sir. Yes, sir. So I host another podcast on YouTube called the Uncaged Voice Podcast. It's myself, Top Tier Rated, and Jigsaw Jester. We talk about a huge variety of topics. Our latest episode was about the Chris Rock Netflix special and a few other topics. But we uh, have a new episode we're going to be recording next Friday. So it'll be debuting uh, within a couple of days of the recording. So keep an eye out for that one on YouTube. Yeah, and I tell you what, the Chris Rock episode, uh, I had a chance to watch that on Netflix. And, whoa, it took a year for him to hone his craft on his comeback to the slap at the Oscars. But wow, 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 wow. Boy, he he burned him alive. (laughs) He burnt Will Smith. And Jada Smith alive. And uh, you know what? He had every right to do so. Every right to do so. So, yeah. Also, if you like to stay up with current events, listen to some different types of interviews and up-to-date on politics in the good old U.S. of A., I do host the Red Pill Current News Podcast. We drop two episodes a week there. Be sure to check us out. Also, if you'd ever like to be a guest on this show or you have a question for Mr. Cage or the Kentucky guy, just feel free to email us at olkentucky99 at yahoo.com. And that's olkentucky spelled out 99 at yahoo.com. Also in the description below is all of our social medias for the show, as well as merch shops and some pretty cool nifty items there. So be sure to check that out as well. All right. So this being Saturday's episode, we are going to cover 
uh, not only the wrestling news, but we have Raw results, Dynamite results, SmackDown results. We have a lot to talk about today. Uh, but as we start every episode normally, uh, when, we're, when we're on track, uh, we will start off with my fantasy booking. Basically, uh, Mr. Cage picks a wrestler, either past, present, and and I pick a different wrestler, and we talk about if we were the booker or creative, how we might have changed their outcome in a particular organization rather than the way their career ended or they moved on. So, uh, as always, Mr. Cage, I'll let you start this episode off, this segment. Thank you, Kentucky guy. So, my pick for this week is a wrestler who is always he's a current wrestler on the WWE roster. And if you watched SmackDown this past Friday, he made his long-awaited return to television. And I'm talking about none other than the artist known as Kin uh, or Shinsuke Nakamura. Now, Shinsuke Nakamura has been with the WWE for quite a few years now. He got his start originally in New Japan Pro Wrestling back in 2002. And he was actually the youngest person to ever win the IWGP Heavyweight Championship. He was only 23 years old when he won that title. And this man went on to hold that title on three different occasions during his time with New Japan Pro Wrestling. He also was a five-time IWGP Intercontinental Champion, a one-time IWGP Tag Champion with Hiroshi Tanahashi, he was a founding member and the original leader of the popular stable Chaos. He was a G1 Climax winner, a co-winner of the G1 Tag League, a New Japan Cup winner. This guy did it all in New Japan. Fast forward a few years, he debuts in NXT in 2015 and goes on to win the NXT Championship twice. Sooner or later, you figure, well, they've got to bring him up to the main roster, right? Well, they do. And he debuted in WWE in, on the main roster on SmackDown in 2017. Very soon after his debut, he actually beat John Cena in a televised match on an episode of SmackDown and became number one contender for the WWE Championship. Now, it's interesting to point out that the WWE Champion at the time was the modern-day Maharaja Jinder Mahal. Just, just just, stop and think about that for a second. WWE put the world title of the SmackDown WWE Championship on Jinder Mahal. The same Jinder Mahal that was a member of 3MB a couple of years earlier. Anyway, you're thinking to yourself at this point, Shinsuke has a ton of momentum. This is a no-brainer. Put the WWE title on him, right? Except Shinsuke lost multiple pay-per-view matches to Jinder Mahal. And this, in my opinion... No disrespect to all Jinder Mahal fans out there. This was the biggest slap in the face in wrestling history, or at least one of the biggest. You're telling me that a former three-time IWGP champion couldn't beat Jinder Mahal. I just, I found that very hard to believe. So anyway, Shinsuke lost a lot of his momentum at this point. Fortunately, he gained some of it back by winning the 2018 Men's Royal Rumble. So now I'm thinking to myself, okay, WWE has a chance to redeem this guy in the face of the fans. Let, let's do it. 
WrestleMania 34 comes around, and you've got a dream opponent for Shinsuke Nakamura, AJ Styles, who at that point had won the WWE Championship. So this, this is going to be a modern-day classic, right? Watching these two collide, because they already wrestled each other in New Japan. We know they're going to put on a great match. Well, the match didn't necessarily deliver as an all-time classic, and the worst part is that Shinsuke did not win the world title, the WWE title, I'm sorry, from AJ at WrestleMania 34. These two would continue to feud for multiple months after this, but Shinsuke could never beat AJ for the belt. And once again, while I wouldn't exactly call it a blemish on your career to lose to AJ Styles because he's one of the best wrestlers of the last two decades, this just killed any chance that Shinsuke Nakamura had of ever being considered a main event player. And it's very unfortunate because he was really over with the fans. We know he's a great worker. Yeah, I understand the language barrier is an issue. His promos aren't exactly setting the world on fire. But he's an amazing worker, has a great connection with the crowd. And unfortunately, WWE just didn't see it that way. Probably Vince McMahon just didn't see it that way. So we will have to see if now that Shinsuke is back on television, if anything is going to come of that. But um, based on past booking of this wrestler, I, I, I'm not going to get my hopes up. So, uh, Kentucky guy, your thought? Well, uh, I think you're. I think you're spot on. Shinsei Nakamura. I can't say enough positive things about him, and it's uh, it's kind of frustrating, especially. And I, I'm sure you were from from the way uh, from the way you just spoke about it. If you're like me and you were a huge Nakamura fan during uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling and you watched him and then finally, so here, this this one year, right? Let me tell you a little, little story real quick. This one year, so I, I've watched New Japan Pro Wrestling for many, many, many years, okay? And this one, this one year and a half reach was like Christmas time for me because first we had Finn Balor, uh, who was the demon who was Prince, uh, what had, who started the Bullet Club and New Japan Pro Wrestling. He was coming to WWE programming NXT. And I was like, wow, this is amazing. And then a gentleman that he had a lot of battles with in New Japan Pro Wrestling one of his best friends in real life, King of Strong Style, Nakamura, within a year, it was announced he was coming to NXT, WWE programming TV. It, it was like Christmas to me, man. I could not, I, I, I was like ecstatic. It's kind of like right now, if you were to tell me that Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks were coming to WWE, man, I, I, I could talk five episodes just about the possibilities. So it was great. So he came, both of these guys came to NXT at different times, and they both won the NXT title and very successful. Once again, Nakamura, like so many, and Finn Balor's right there too. Finn Balor was the first universal champion. However, he got hurt, and it's a shame, and I know we're not talking about him, but it's a shame that he got hurt, lost his belt, and they never did put the title back on him. 
That's ridiculous. The first ever Universal Champion. Anyways, so he gets hurt. Nakamura comes to the main roster after having a successful feud with Samojo on NXT and uh, NXT Champion as well. And they just don't give him the proper push. You know, okay, so you mentioned his promos. There's a lot of wrestlers who suck at promos. What do you do? You get him a mouthpiece. Brock Lesnar comes to mind. Roman Reigns, who is worlds better than what he used to be, but he used to be horrible at promos. And now he's considered one of the greatest of all time champions. So get him a mouthpiece to help him. Yes, there's a language barrier there. But I know people like Roman Reigns who speak perfect English, their first language, Brock Lesnar, a.k.a., uh, still suck at promos. So there's ways around that. But don't give him this booze guy with a guitar and expect that to put him over. Don't put him in a feud with Baron Corbin over a crown that's not even a legitimate King of the Ring crown. Don't, don't, don't do this. This guy's too good. His debut on SmackDown, we'll talk about it here in a little bit, I thought was tremendous. However, it was against Madcap Moff, so you can't get too excited. So, yeah, I think that's a great pick. Sorry for going off on that, but like I said, he's one of my favorite wrestlers. I was so excited. I'll be honest with you. I kind of, if they're going to waste his career like they have been, I'd rather see him go back to New Japan and become champion again. I really would. Okay, so let's, uh, let's move on to my fantasy booking for this episode. My fantasy booking is John Randall Hennigan. Yeah, you guys remember him? He's a famous wrestler all time. Yeah. Oh, you may know him better by his ring name that he used in the WWE. And he's had, and everywhere else, he's had so many. Uh, Johnny Nitro, Johnny Impact. John Morrison. Yeah, that guy. I want to talk about him. And basically, I want to talk about his tenured in the WWE. We got so much news and so many results to go over. Not going to spend a lot of time on this, but he definitely is a name worth mentioning that did not get the push that he deserved. So after graduating college with a degree in film and geology and deciding that he did not want to pursue either path, he began his professional wrestling career training at the Supreme Pro Wrestling School in Sacramento, California. After failing his audition for Tough Enough 2, a competition in which the winner earned a World Wrestling Federation contract, he was accepted as a cast member for Tough Enough 3 in 2002, eventually becoming a co-winner with Matt The Miz. Uh, for winning... He was awarded a de developmental contract and assigned to their de uh, developmental territory, Ohio Valley Wrestling, to continue his training. Now, he did have some success in the WWE. He formed, he had, by the way, Vince McMahon made this guy change his name three times in less than three weeks. <laughs> He was Eric Bischoff's apprentice as Johnny Nitro. I mean, it's ridiculous. But finally, he got a name that worked. And let's just talk a little bit about it. 
he he did have some success in the tag team division. Uh, he's a multi-time uh, tag team champion. He had a uh, success not only there but in Ohio Valley Wrestling as well. He was tag team champions for three months. It looked like for his three months stay. So yeah, I mean he had quite a bit of success there. However, his single competition in WWE really you have to wonder what in the world WWE is thinking because he, the farthest he ever got was he was the intercontinental champion. He held that belt three times and we all know, okay, so the intercontinental title means something right now because of Gunther, but we all know it was in a not such great state, right? So by the way, he was a tag team World Tag Team Champions for the WWE seven times. Uh, three times with Joey Mercury, uh, once with The Miz, twice with The Miz, three times with The Miz, yeah. So anyways, so he did have some success. Here's the problem. The Intercontinental Belt was the only title that he ever, the only singles title that he held. The only singles title that he held in the WWE. He was, he was and is, a 14-time heavyweight champion at 14 different companies. And these companies aren't like all Ohio Valley Wrestling. This was, right? Uh, let's see. Major League Wrestling, Lucha Underground Wrestling, Triple A Wrestling. He was a heavyweight champion. Impact Wrestling. It's crazy. Uh, European Pro Wrestling. And a lot of these, you have to watch Indy to know some of them. But the uh, Blackcraft Wrestling, he was a world title. I, I can't even remember the last champion that they had on there. Anyways, he still wrestles today for the AAA Wrestling and a few others. Oh, yeah, by the way, he was the ECW world champion as well. Why? Why, why, why? He also won in 2008 Tag Team of the Year with The Miz, according to Dave Meltzer in the Observer Newsletter. So why couldn't WWE, why did he fail as a singles competitor? That was pretty much it. It looked like he was on his way at the Money in the Bank ladder match. He beat both Jeff Hardy and Randy Orton to qualify. The, the problem is that dripstick gimmick remained and it did not, he did not seem like a serious competitor to creative. So therefore, he didn't need to be in the main event. So he was stripped. He did not win the money in the bank. And the Miz ended up turning on him. And we all know what happened after that. Because in Vince McMahon's eyes, and this is a quote, John Morrison's was disposable in the eyes of Vince McMahon. The former WWE star would be fine wherever he goes following his post-WWE career. Crazy. Just, just how can you just throw somebody away like that who has this resume and is a great wrestler. He's got the look. He's still got the look and he still can go. I watched him the other day uh, in triple a. He can still go. Anyways, I think it's disgusting and it shows one of the reasons why the WWE probably, probably one of the reasons why they had to sell the company. At least why they had to change creative anyways. Your thoughts, sir? 
Yeah, I agree with you 100% here. John Morrison, uh, Johnny Impact, he's always been a great worker, both in WWE and elsewhere. Very underutilized in his WWE career, pretty much was just strictly a mid-carder uh, and um, tag team wrestler. Impact Wrestling finally was the one like North American promotion that was like, hey, we should make this guy our world champion and actually, you know, recognize how talented he really is. Um, I almost looked at uh, John Morrison in many ways like he could have been the equivalent to a modern day Shawn Michaels, but WWE was never willing to give him that sort of a push, which is really unfortunate because even to this day, he's still really talented. Yep, yep. I think it's a huge miss, a swing and a miss on uh, Vince McMahon and WWE's part. All right, so before we get into the wrestling headlines, let's go ahead and go over Raw results. I know it's Saturday. It's been a while since then, but it's there's enough that happened on Raw. By the way, you can tell Vince McMahon is not in charge of creative because Raw is back to normal. <laughs> so, and Raw is actually pretty decent. I think, uh, this week. So we had the WWE's women's tag team title match, Becky Lynch and Lita. However, Lita was injured. Somebody attacked her before the match and Trish Stratus stepped up to bat and joined Becky Lynch in defending the tag titles against Liv Morgan and Raquel Rodriguez. And oh yeah, the tag team titles on the female uh, division means so much that we have new tag team champions, Liv Morgan and Raquel Rodriguez. Yeah. Uh, you tell me, Liv Morgan pinned Trish Stratus. Trish Stratus did do finally. We've been looking for it. We've been talking about it. She turned heel and attacked Becky Lynch. Uh, Raw this week should be very interesting to see what comes with that. But anyways, we have new tag team champions and Liv Morgan and Raquel Rodriguez, who Raquel Rodriguez once again came out wearing the title backwards like she did in NXT. She needs a new gimmick, needs something different. Come on now. Your thoughts? Well, she's the trap queen, Kentucky guy. Isn't that like her nickname now because of the size of her uh, trapezius muscles? <laughs> um, you know, it was a decent enough match. Uh, I wasn't really shocked by the heel turn by Trish Stratus. I was just curious to see how WWE was going to execute it um, because it looked like they were, based on what the dirt sheets have said, they were building towards an eventual match, which I think is supposed to happen at SummerSlam this year. Although how they're going to stretch the feud out that long, I have no idea. Um I mean, Liv and Raquel as the tag team champions. I mean, I guess at least it's good to have two full-time female performers hold the belts now. I, although I don't anticipate these two having a particularly long run as the tag team champions. I think we need to do the right thing, and we need to put the belts on Ronda Rousey and Shayna Baszler. Just my thoughts, but um, yeah. I mean, not a real lot to say about this segment, except it'll be interesting to see how they build up the Becky and Trish match. Yeah. The Becky and Trish match should, uh, that should take place at backlash. Why in the world would you wait till SummerSlam? Yeah. Backlash. I, I think, uh, I mean, unless Trish Stratish is coming back on a run for, for a while, 
Uh, I mean, she's she's got to be getting up there. Uh, she looks, you know. <laughs> anyways, I'm not gonna say it. Uh, but anyways, yeah. And Liv Morgan and Raquel Rodriguez, you know, how many times have they been tag team partners and broken up in the in the last I don't know five months? I mean, it just I don't know. It I think it hurts. You should have kept it on damage control and left it alone. I think it hurts the legitimacy of the titles. But damage control is uh, having their own problems now, so I don't know. Uh, next match, Rey Mysterio went against Finn Balor. Uh, due to Dominique Mysterio's interference, Finn Balor won the match. This was an okay match. I mean, to me, I know Rey just started hitting Dominic back, but I swear... This is kind of boring to me now, the Dominic and Ray feud. Uh, of course, they're always going to get involved in each other's matches. It's just, I don't know. It's just, I'm kind of over it. I think the Judgment Day has so much potential to move on to to fight other factions instead of this LWO crap. That's just my opinion. Your thought? I kind of agree with you here, Kentucky guy. I feel like we've... We've brought the Ray and Dominic saga to its climax, and it's time to move move on to different things because I think this is what can can cause a stable to grow stale after a while. Is if they just keep feuding with the same people, whether it's Edge, whether it's Ray Mysterio, whoever, um, you've got to keep their opponents fresh. I mean, that's that's why the NWO kind of wore out its welcome back in the day because they were always feuding with the same people. So, uh, yeah, I, I'd like to see Judgment Day, uh, including Dominic Mysterio. I'd like to see them move on to other feuds at this point. Yeah, attack somebody. You know, just uh, randomly, uh, you know, attack somebody out of uh, out of nowhere, and you know, start it that way, like the Viking Raiders. That would be a heck of a feud. The Viking Raiders. There you go. And they have a female manager, and you've got Rhea Ripley. So there you go. Uh, then we had Bobby Lashley. Now, this was a great match, I thought. Uh, once again, not a huge Bronson Reed or Bobby Lashley fan, but this, I'm waiting to see part two. I thought this was a slugger fest. Uh, it ended out as a double countout. These guys still went at it after the bell. And uh, this is one way for Bronson Reed to get the acknowledgement that he deserves. This guy was awesome. In New Japan Pro Wrestling. This guy was great in NXT. I know a lot of our listeners don't listen or watch NXT, but Bronson Reed was a force to be reckoned with. Since he's come to the main roster, he just hasn't got that reaction. He needs this. They need to do something with him because he's a good wrestler and his finishing move is crazy. The tidal wave. They need to do something with him like they did with LA Knight to kind of get the pop. LA Knight's getting now. By the way, my prediction, LA Knight is your next Money in the Bank winner. It's my prediction. Uh, then we had Jimmy and Jay Uso versus Chad Gable and Otis. Uh, the Usos won, of course. I don't know. Uh, I'm already sick of the Otis modeling thing. It just, I, I just, I don't know. I, I prefer Otis back when he was trying to win the heart of Mandy Rose. <laughs> I don't know. He just, I don't know. He just seemed like he was meaner and tougher back then. Anyways, your thought on those couple matches? Yeah, well, I mean, the Usos needed to pick up a win to bounce back from the from that 
title loss at uh, Mania, so not entirely surprised there. I, I really think it's about it's about time now to split Alpha Academy because I think Chad Gable will be better off at his own, and I think Otis would be better off on his own or doing something else uh, because I just don't I, I just feel like Alpha Academy is just putting people over right now. Um, yeah, the Bobby Lashley Bronson Reed match was was good. I mean they. They hinted that the two that the two of them were going to fight each other last week, um, so so it was good that they had a proper follow up on that. And I think you know with this just being an episode of Raw, it's okay that it ended in a double countout. If this if obviously if this was a pay per view, you wouldn't want the match to end that way. But you, you build it up to have future clashes between these two. So both guys looked strong in defeat. Neither one wanted to really give an inch. So yeah, I uh, I like this. Yeah, yeah, I uh, yeah, I'm I'm ready for part two. I, I thought it was a good yeah, a good slugging match. I really enjoyed it. And Bobby Lashley needs something because uh, once again, uh, you know Bray White's still in my MIA, so I'm not even going to talk about him this episode because he wasn't mentioned on Raw, SmackDown, NXT. <laughs> it's just like he disappeared. So, anyways. So Bailey comes out and tells Dakota Kai and uh, Eos Kai that she has a match versus Piper and versus Machine, and the winner becomes the number one contender against uh, Ponytail Girl. Eos Kai, and this is what I mean, there's a little friction there in damage control right now, speaks up and says it should be Dakota or her in the match. So Bailey switches out. And EO Sky, so the match is now EO Sky versus Piper versus Mission. EO Sky is your winner and will be going against uh, Bianca Belair for the uh, Raw Women's Championship. That could be interesting. And then we had the main event, which was uh, Solo Sequoia and the Usos at his ringside versus Kevin Owens. The winner, of course, Solo. Kevin Owens did look pretty tough in this, though. I mean, he fought every one of them, but finally at the end, Riddles and Sami Zayn did come in here at the end, so they couldn't do too much damage to Owens, but Solo Sequoia is just a beast. He's just a beast. He doesn't need Jay or Jimmy or, or the tribal. He doesn't need anybody's help. This guy is, he's like Umaga Reborn or something. It's weird. He, he's, he's very, he's a tough individual, and he's got a bright, bright future, in my opinion. Your thought on those two matches? I'm glad to see EO Sky go over in the uh, triple threat w women's match. I think she'll give Bianca a good match when that eventually comes up. And people have to remember, EO Sky is a former NXT women's champion and also former NXT women's tag champ. So it's not like she doesn't have the credibility. And of course, she was a WWE women's tag champ alongside. Oh, Dakota by the Kai. way, so, by the way, she has beaten Bianca twice in NXT. Well, there you go, and I and I hope they play up that uh, history between the two of them, and don't just act like this is the first time they've ever wrestled each other. They probably will, but <laughs> I'd like to see them reference that history to say that Bianca's never beaten Io Sky. Um, and yeah, the uh, Solo Sokoa once again booked to look very strong, very strong indeed. Um, I, 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 you know, I'm curious to really see what they do with him in the coming months because. I feel like this guy right now deser deserves a title. I feel like he he's he's been booked so strongly. 
I could easily see him being an Intercontinental or um, U.S. champion. I mean, right now, obviously, Intercontinental title, it's held by Gunther, but I mean, I could easily see Solo being a dominant U.S. champion. It'll be interesting to see where he lands during the draft because the dra I'm, I'm going to assume that when the draft happens, it's not going to be the whole bloodline that are going to get drafted simultaneously. It's going to be, you know, the Usos would get drafted, Solo would get drafted, Roman Reigns would get drafted. That That's going to be interesting to see what happens there. Yeah, that draft is uh, is coming up soon, by the way, and in two weeks. And also, right before the draft is the Usos rematch for the tag titles. So I'm just wondering, it just... That's kind of coincidental, you know, because if you have the titles, I think you can pretty much go anywhere if you're, you know, because they have, unless they split them. So should be, uh, yeah, should be interesting. All right. So let's get into, I'm going to do a headline here and then I'll, I'll give, I'll let you do the next two. Uh, this headline here is when I seen it, I had to, well, I had to shoot some emails and make a phone call. <laughs> because I was like, what? But uh, this is very, very possible. Very, very possible. Actually, things have changed a little bit, and it's extremely possible because of a new television deal. So let's go ahead and talk about it. AEW has an idea to ease the backstage issues with CM Punk ahead of his return. That's right. It's been seven months since CM Punk got into the backstage brawl with the elite and ripped several wrestlers, Hangman Page, Coke Cabana, the Young Bucks, at the AEW all-out post-event press conference. As previously reported, Punk wants to come back. And, and we knew this, AEW president Tony Khan also wants him to return. And now there are tentative plans in place for it to happen this summer. There are also backstage issues that have not been settled with Punk ahead of his return. However, in the latest edition of the Wrestling Observer Newsletter, Dave Meltzer reported that AEW might have an idea to ease the tension among those who don't like Punk and vice versa. That would be with the Saturday show that is expected to premiere sometime this summer. It was reported by Andrew Zane of the Matt Men podcast in March that AEW and Warner Brothers Discovery are closing in on a deal to add a third AEW show. He later tweeted a hint that the show may air on Saturdays at 6.05 p.m. Eastern. Meltzer wrote, the working idea was that the Saturday show would star Punk and they would split crews to a large degree. The promotion previously nixed a Rampage event from Friday, July 14th, and replaced it with a TV event on Saturday, July 8th from Regina, Saskatchewan. So, this is this is possible. I, I did hear that it is possible. Uh, evidently, uh, on CM Punk's side, they are not budging at all on a contract buyout. He wants to come back to television. He wants to come back to wrestling. Tony Khan, as we all know, is CM Punk's fanboy, but he had to figure out a way to do it. And I do feel 
that this could happen. This could happen. And it kind of sucks because the same guys that told me, oh, no, 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 he's never coming back, are now like, well, things have changed. You know, it's all about politics, folks, and it's all about money. That's it's what it's that's what it comes down to. Wrestling is a business just like any other business. And though us true fans cannot stand the thought of seeing this guy back on television, it is more than likely were the words that were given to me. <laughs> and I've been straight with you guys ever since this has been going on. More than likely, if they can figure out to keep him off the program of the elite and a few others, then he will more than likely be on this Saturday program with AEW. Yeah, uh, I have very, very mixed feelings about that, and I'm not going to get into them today because we have a lot to talk about. Your thoughts, sir? I uh, read the same story that you're uh, mentioning, Kentucky guy, and I also have mixed feelings about it. Because in one sense, I understand, as you said, that AEW is a business, and you've You've got to think about ratings and bringing uh, more audience in in to watch your product. Uh, so sometimes you just have to push personal feelings aside for business. But we've seen in the fallout of the all-out media scrum and the backstage brawl that Punk has not exactly been the most positive influence in the locker room. And that there are a lot of people, in fact the vast majority that don't want to see him back in any capacity. So, you know, I, I don't know if this is the best move by Tony Khan. Time will tell. Um, you know, maybe it's been it's been enough time now that Punk has uh, cleaned up his attitude a bit and won't say things that are going to cause a disruption in the locker room. But this is CM Punk we're talking about, and he's never uh, been shy with his words in the past. He, he's a cancer. He's a cancer to any locker room, and I just uh, I don't see it working. Maybe short term, but yeah, good luck with that, Mr. Khan, and uh, your locker room. Good luck. All right, sir, you've got the next two. And All right. There's another member of the bloodline who could eventually make his way to WWE. There's another Uso making his way through the professional wrestling business. And it would not be a shock to see him appear on WWE TV in the next year or two. Rikishi noted on Twitter that Tamiko T. Fat 2 is taking bookings and fans can follow him on Instagram at tamikot.fat2. For fans who may not know this, Rikishi has five children, the Usos, Solo Sokoa, Savannah Mona Lisa, and Jeremiah Pinata. Also, another family member waiting to make a splash in the wrestling world, Umaga's son, Zila Fatu, who is training at Booker T's Reality of Wrestling in Houston. Well, um, I'll tell you what, there, there never seems to be a shortage of uh, Usos in that particular family. Um, I'll tell you what, every single one of these uh, Samoan wrestlers who has competed on WWE television has, has proven that they are very talented. So if there's yet another member of that family chain who could make his debut in the next year or two? Hey, I'm I'm all for it. I don't know if the Bloodline storyline will still be going on at that particular time, but hey, this this whole family is extremely talented. So I am all for seeing another member uh, make their debut in the WWE in the future. 
Uh, yeah. It, <laughs> it could be, uh, could be real interesting. Very, very, uh, man. I would like to, uh, I don't know, man. They, they have so, so much going for them. You kind of wonder if the bloodline will ever end. <laughs> so I don't know. I think it's good. I think it's real good. I think that, uh, they need to, they need to mix it up a little bit, right? I mean, they need to add somebody or something, change it up just a little bit. Uh, but anyways, uh, yeah, I, uh, I think it's good. I, I think, um, there might be a little bit of conflict with, uh, solo there, uh, you know, with his finishing. I don't know. We'll see. We will see. But Rikishi's got all kinds of kids. So <laughs> it's untelling how many people are going to show up on, on this thing. But uh, yeah, man, you got the next one. WWE has dropped the idea of reuniting a fan favorite stable. Fans will be disappointed to hear that the idea of reuniting the Hurt Business has been dropped. Now, the original version of the Hurt Business was Bobby Lashley, MVP, Cedric Alexander, and Shelton Benjamin. The stable found success in the COVID-19 pandemic, but was later split up, a call the group disagreed with and was a Vince McMahon decision. There have been several teases of the group getting back together on WWE television, and there was even talk of having current NXT title holder Carmelo Hayes in the group. The belief at the time was that Hayes wouldn't be added to the group until he challenged Braun Breaker for the NXT title at NXT Stand and Deliver, and at that event, Hayes actually won the title, so he's going to be staying in NXT for the foreseeable future. Dave Meltzer said they haven't started it and totally dropped it. Or they have started it and totally dropped it. Yeah, I mean, we haven't seen MVP around. We haven't seen Cedric or Shelton around. Nothing, Meltzer stated. Yeah, this is a big mistake in my opinion. I have no idea why they even broke up the Hurt Business. They were a really good stable. And a great use of all that talent, especially with MVP being the mouthpiece of the group. He was always the best talker at all out of all those wrestlers. Shelton, Cedric, and Bobby, great, great talents in the ring, but they never really were great at promos. And obviously right now they have MVP still managing Omos. And I said it time and time again, Omos should be in a tag team. He should not be a singles competitor. I, I cannot take him seriously as a force to be reckoned with despite his size and his power. He loses all of his major math matches, so just put him in a stable where he could, be, he could be better utilized. But it doesn't sound like the Hurt Business is coming back anytime soon, if at all, which is which is a shame. Yeah, you know, I agree with you. That's that's disappointing. I, uh, I was actually looking forward to that, and I, I was looking forward more to not Shelton Benjamin, or those guys, but uh, like Carmella Hayes, like a, a new revamped uh, her business. I think Bobby Lashley, I think he needs it too. I really do. Uh, I know he, yes, he can do promos, and uh, yes, he's phenomenal on his own, but I think, you know, everybody can use a little help, and I thought he was more dominant with MVP by his side than he is now. What are your thoughts on Bobby Lashley? Do you think he was more dominant when he was with the Hurt Business or without? A hundred percent with the Hurt Business because he just felt like more more of a big deal. He was surrounded by people who were kind of could like 
do his bidding. MVP could could do most of the talking on the mic for him. And then when it came time to step in the ring, Bobby would step in the ring and and tear people apart. Yeah, that that's that's the way I see it too. I thought that uh yeah, I just he just seemed more dominant. You're absolutely right. He just seemed more more of a threat. I mean, think about it. When he was with the Hurt Business, he absolutely destroyed Kofi Kingston, Xavier Woods. I mean, destroyed them in cage matches. And uh yeah, I mean, I just I don't know. I think uh I think it's a mistake. I really do. To to exit it off completely anyways. Yeah. I was surprised to hear that. Yeah, that's crazy. Okay, so let's go over dynamite results. Dynamite results. Here we go. We had uh Darby Allen uh to take on Swerve Strickland. Winner Darby Allen. I thought that was a pretty good match. Here's the thing. After the match was iconic. MJF comes out. He he does a spill. Darby pushes back. Sting comes out and does a promo with with MJF. And Sting mentions, oh, I don't know, Ric Flair. All of the all of these WWE stars. Sting starts dropping names like crazy. And I thought that was cool. I really did. Also, you had Chris Jericho in the main event versus Keith Lee. Uh, Chris Jericho won. Swerve did get involved in that and cost Keith Lee the match. Here's the thing, though. When did this, you know, everybody knows I'm not a fan of Keith Lee, but when did he age? He aged like 90 years. Like, this dude is all gray now, and he's he looks older than Chris Jericho. It's crazy. Your thoughts on those two matches? Yeah, I'm not. I'm not digging the gray hair on Keith Lee. It it really does make him look like an old man. Um, I was not surprised to see Chris Jericho go over in this match because let's face it, they are building towards a Chris Jericho Adam Cole feud. We all know it, um, and and I'm definitely looking forward to that when they finally face each other. I thought the Swerve Strickland Keith Lee storyline was over. Why are they still dragging this out? Is it just because they never had a proper one on one match? They just had that tag team match on uh, Rampage a while back. I think I think you're right. I think that's why. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm tired of that feud. Both guys need to move on and do something else. Um, Darby Allen, glad to see him pick up a victory on uh, on Dynamite. And hey, we 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 know he's definitely in line for a match against MJF. And I I think that could be a really good match down the road if it happens. Although it still isn't 100% clear if it's going to be like MJF versus Jungle Boy, MJF versus Sammy Guevara, MJF versus Darby, or is he going to fight all four of them and it's going to be a fatal four-way? I personally think that would be the best scenario, just make it a fatal four-way for the title rather than doing singles feuds. Just my, just my it, opinion. It's, it, I think it's going to be a fatal four-way too. Uh, I asked about it when uh, in an email that I sent trying to figure out what in the heck was going on with the CM Punk thing. And uh, I got zero, zero, zero confirmation on anything. They are keeping it closed lip. So, but I think it's going. I I don't know if we find out more, we'll let you know. But uh, I think it's going to be a fatal four way. And then we had for the AEW International Championship match, which was oh man, this disgusts me. Orange Cassidy versus Buddy Matthews. Buddy Matthews, who absolutely destroyed Orange Cassidy. This entire match destroyed him. 
overpowered him, destroyed him, and guess what? Orange Cassidy wins the match and retains the title. Bull crap. That was bull crap. Sorry. Then you had TNT Championship match. Powerhouse Hops keeps his title. He faced uh, Silas Young. It, it was a squash match. I, I am looking forward to the rematch of Powerhouse Hobbs and Warlobe. Uh, that should be happening next week, so that should be pretty good. Uh, your thoughts on those two matches, sir? Uh, you know, the, internet, the AEW International Championship uh, is what it is right now. I mean, they're they're just strapping a rocket to Orange Cassidy, and they're 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 just behind this guy right now. Even though I do think that there's plenty of other wrestlers who could be holding that title currently. Uh, man, it is what it is. Um, the TNT uh, title, I, I, you know, I feel like we're, we're kind of in a similar holding pattern with that. I mean, Powerhouse Hobbs, he's fine, you know, in the ring and everything. You know, I'm sure it'll be a decent contest between him and Wardlow. But I don't really care about the whole QTV storyline and everything. Um, I just feel they could be building Powerhouse Hobbs up in a different way. And, you know, probably be a decent match when it happens, but... I don't know. I'm just not. These are two championships that I'm just not that invested in right now. Yeah, and and I mean we can we can see why. I mean because they're champions. And we had uh, Rio and Sky Blue versus uh, Ruby Soho and Tony Storm. The winners, of course, Ruby Soho and Tony Storm. I am digging this Hill Hill faction. I have to be honest. I'm digging it a little bit. I'm kind of liking what I'm seeing. Uh, out of these three, the Ruby and uh, Tony Storm and Sierra. So, yeah, I'm not. I don't have any complaints on that. I, I, I'm kind of liking that. And then we had the uh, the uh, Combat Club versus Brandon Cutler and Michael Nawaskia. However you say that. Uh, of course, John Moxley and Claudio beat Brandon Cutler and the other guy. However. However, they didn't beat him too easy. Uh, I was very impressed by uh, not Brandon Cutler, but the other guy. And then my favorite part, Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks showed up at the end of the match when they were doing, once again, a beatdown. Okay, so I get it, Combat Club. You guys are hills. You're bad guys now. You want to run shot everybody. But it's not so much fun, is it, John Moxley? When Kenny Omega's coming at you with a straight edge screwdriver. Uh-huh. Because you ran like the little wimp that you are. Your thoughts on those final matches? Yeah, at least uh, Brandon Cutler and Michael Nawasaki put up a fight, uh, and it wasn't a full-blown squash match for the Blackpool Combat Club. Obviously, we're building towards a big showdown between the Elite and Blackpool Combat Club, which I'm there for. I mean, I'm sure it's going to be a great match when all is said and done. Um, and then I guess in, in the months that'll follow, we'll, we'll find out what, uh, Kenny Omega's future looks like, especially with all of these CM Punk rumors going, uh, going on. But, um, yeah, that'll be a good feud when it eventually, uh, when it eventually hits its, uh, hits its peak. The women's match was okay. Um, I agree with you. I mean, at least they're doing something with Tony Storm, Ruby Soho and Soraya right now. Because, I mean, obviously a couple of them tried to win the uh, AEW Women's Championship and came up short. So they've got to keep them on television and keep them relevant. So 
this is a better use of them than than just having them lose time and time again when challenging for the women's title. Yep, yep. Couldn't agree more. Uh, let's see. Let's do a headline here. Uh, WWE Triple H gave serious thought to major change for the most hated star. Triple H gave serious thought to sending Dominique Mysterio to WWE NXT. Uh, it has been claimed. Dominique is one of WWE's top heels right now and has been since he joined Judgment Day back in September of 20, 2022. However, prior to his turn, things weren't working too well for Mysterio and the WWE considered sending him to NXT. Wow, isn't that amazing, Mr. Cage? Didn't we also recommend that before he turned heel? I believe we did. We go back and listen to previous episodes. Uh-huh. We know you're taking our ideas, Triple H. We want credit. We want credit. Anyways, as noted, at Clash in the Castle back in September 2022, WWE had Dominic turn heel on his father, Ray, and Edge, officially joining Raw's Judgment Day faction in the process. The turn ended up being pivotal to Dominic's career, and he's now one of WWE's top heels, even being labeled by former UFC star Daniel Comer as the most hated man in all of wrestling. It seems like WWE was aware that things weren't working for Dominic as the Wrestling Observer is reporting that Triple H considered sending him to NXT. While there's no chance of this happening now, before the decision to start the Ray vs. Dominic program, there was serious thought given to sending him there. Uh, let's see. Triple H will be counting his lucky stars that Dominic wasn't sent to NXT as he ended up being involved in one of the most highly praised matches at WrestleMania 39 with his father. So I've even said this and admitted it. Dominique has come a long ways. I'm not going to sit here and say that he's, he's there because he's still got a lot to learn. He's still a little bit clumsy in the ring, but, but I definitely think that he deserves a spot on the main roster. Now that wasn't always the case. And it looks like triple H after listening to our show was in agreement. Your thoughts, sir. Like you said, Kentucky guy, we called it. We both said Dominic needs to go back to NXT last year. But this heel turn and him joining Judgment Day was pretty much what saved his career on the main roster because he adopted this whole prison dom gimmick, which has really gotten him over with the fan base and, as the article said, made him one of the most hated people in wrestling at the present time. So, yeah. Um, had they not gone this route, had she, had he just been uh, fresh-faced Dominic, who was still teaming with his dad to this day, I would have said an NXT run for him would have been uh, the perfect I thing agree. to do. I agree. Send him there. And not only send him to NXT, but send him by himself. You know what I mean? Get him away from his dad. But, yeah, I, there's no reason to do that now. He's come a long ways. I think Damian Priest has done more for his career than... Uh, than, than what they're letting on. I know they let on like him and Rhea Ripley are the best friends on the team, but him and uh, Damian Priest, for some reason, some of the his actions, uh, the way he moves in the ring and that now, it, I just say that they train a lot together. It, it would be my opinion from what I've seen out of Dominic here lately. But uh, anyway, sir, you've got the next headline. For the first time since last September's all-out fight that saw him get put on suspension, former AEW world champ Kenny Omega opened up about the situation. 
One he feels was preventable, in addition to the strange vibe he felt about AEW when he returned last August. Kenny Omega said he hasn't uh, got himself yet re-familiarized backstage with what he called the new AEW when he returned in August of 2022. Uh... He says uh, there were all the, all these new faces and all changes since he was gone. He felt an eerie feeling, and then stranger things started happening. Oh man, what do I do? This isn't right. Someone needs to be the voice of reason. This is silly. From there, things fell off the rails. We were just involved in a very silly situation that people are probably going to be talking about for months and possibly years to come. Omega said that anyone that has been involved in competitive sports or combat sports, has dealt with situations where there are conflicts that are often worked out, and sometimes even after a fight. It's shame that the general public and a lot of people aren't ever going to know how it went down and how it could have been prevented or how it could have ended differently, Omega said. I don't think anyone is happy about how it happened or is proud that it happened. I think across the board, everyone thinks it was a terrible situation that was unnecessary. He said that since the issue, the atmosphere has cleared up backstage, but that it was hard after the incident because people were forced to form their own opinions and theories, and they were unable to speak on it because they were sworn to secrecy legally. He's happy and thankful that no one was seriously injured in the fight and that he's moved on with life. Well, if you think about it, when Kenny Omega came back from his injuries, this was at a time when CM Punk was in the company and... Uh, you know, there was a lot of question as to what was going to happen with the world title picture because Punk was injured at one point. Then they had to put the belt on John Moxley. Um, MJF was off television at one point for a while because of his own backstage controversies. You know, it's there's a lot that goes on behind the scenes in professional wrestling that people don't know about. Um Kenny Omega, I know, has several months left on his contract because it was extended due to being him being out for a long period uh, to treat his injuries. It still is up in the air as far as what the future holds for Kenny Omega. I remain hopeful that we will maybe see him in WWE, but I know that that is by no means a guarantee that it's going to happen, especially with Vince McMahon sort of still being in the picture. A lot of people say that that's going to deter Kenny Omega from ultimately signing with WWE. I don't. I don't know. Well, Kentucky I don't guy. Know. Your Kenny Omega and Vince McMahon do not have a history, so I don't. I don't know. He's been in talks with Vince McMahon in the past. They just couldn't reach a uh, financial agreement, so he stayed with uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling. But uh, Wrestle Kingdom Seven, six or seven. Uh, we thought for sure after that he was coming to the WWE because he had talked to Vince so much. So I don't know if Vince is deterred. I don't, they don't have a history. So I, I, I don't know about that. I do know that his chances of coming to the WWE are much, much stronger if they allow, I don't care if it is on a Saturday show, CM Punk back on television, that you can bank on. Also, when he returned from injury, the first night he returned was when they won the trio championship, the same pay-per-view that all this happened on. So he really, like, as far as being back, oh, I'm sorry, no. 
I'm sorry. They qualified. They wrestled a couple dynamites before then. So just a couple shows, they had to wrestle and qualify to get that match. That's right. So they were on dynamite a few shows before that, but that was their first major pay-per-view back uh, since being injured. And then all that happened, you know, and we're not going to talk about the CM Punk thing. It, whatever happens, happens. We're going to keep you informed, but, um, you know, that's going to be, I mean, we're not going to rehash this because it's ridiculous. CM Punk was wrong. He caused it all. He's not a hero. He's not somebody that your kids should look up to. Just like I know Jeff Hardy's back on dynamite. As you've seen, I didn't even mention it because I don't care because I think he has problems and I don't think he should be in wrestling right now. Just my thoughts. Anyways, let's uh, let's do SmackDown results real quickly. We had, so you guys have been wondering, well, what out of all these matches this week, what was the match, Kentucky guy, where you destroyed your television? Right here it is. Xavier Woods, winner over LA Knight on SmackDown. Stupid, 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 stupid. Why, why, why? Why? I... Uh, Zero cent. L.A. Knight could have used this win. He needed this win. I don't think it hurts him losing to Xavier Woods, but it definitely doesn't help him. It's stupid. Then we had Damian Priest versus Escobar, the uh, LWO. Uh, Damian Priest was the winner with uh, Dominique and Rhea Ripley's help. Once again, at the end of the match, here comes Rey Mysterio. Him and Dominique square off. I've already told you guys I'm over this feud it's time to move on uh we had shinsei nakamura make his return we talked about that he defeated madcap moss interesting though madcap moss looks like he's going to be turning heel with the help of his uh girlfriend emma because he tried to attack sensei nakamura and uh yeah he got flipped over so maybe that's what he needs i don't know I'm, i'm just you know it was cool when he was beating up baron corbin but now it's just like you know, it's kind of pathetic. I don't know. Uh, your thoughts on those three matches? I personally don't care about Madcap Moss. I think he's taking up a uh, roster spot that's that belongs to guys like L.A. Knight and uh, Karrion Cross. Um, which uh, you know, there were some teases about uh, what's going to happen with their future, uh, as far as future feuds um, later in the show. Um, I don't know if you caught that, but there was a brief uh, vignette that aired where uh, Scarlett was uh, reading some tarot cards, and she turned one over and oh, had yeah. Shinsuke Nakamura's picture on it. And so I- I'm definitely there for that, for a possible feud between those two guys. I think that could be uh, real. It could be really good. But um, wh- why are you booking L.A. Knight to lose W Triple H? Come on, man. It- it's L.A. Knight. I mean, this guy ha- has all the tools. He can wrestle. He can cut a promo. He has a great look. The fans like him. I'm not saying he has to be a babyface, but I'm saying the fans like him and react to him. Um, why is he losing matches? Um, yeah, I just, you know, it's and it's not that, you know, Xavier Woods is the equivalent to a jobber. He's not, but it's just, he's not a major single star. He never has been. So, including when he won that King of the Ring tournament last year, I never was into the whole King Woods thing, unfortunately. Just, just book L.A. Knight to start winning matches. Please do me that favor. Um, 
And then uh, Damian Priest, uh, one, one thing I wanted to mention about him earlier, um, he's the most underappreciated member of Judgment Day, in my opinion. This guy is a really good worker. I mean, he was on the independence for many, many years before he debuted with NXT. He wrestled as Punishment Martinez, and I'm glad that they're giving him the spotlight here because it's so easy for them to give the spotlight to the other three members of Judgment Day and completely forget about Damian Priest. But he's also um, a, an important member of Judgment Day. So I'm, I, I was happy to see him pick up this victory Yeah, Damian Priest is, uh, I mean, he's former Ring of Honor champion. He, he's got all the tools. He just needs the right push. And uh, I think Judgment Day has been good for him. I, I really do. Uh, I don't think he was going anywhere with the Seamus feud and uh, over the Intercontinental belt and all that stuff. Or not, or the U.S. United States belt. Uh, so, yeah, you know. Uh, then we have the main event, which is Matt Riddle versus Solo Sequoia. Uh, Solo Sequoia wins the match. Absolutely destroys Matt Riddle once again afterwards. However, before the match started, Paul Heyman took to the mic and he was standing there with the Usos and Solo and we had Matt Riddle with Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens on the other side. So he just got off the phone with Roman Reigns. They muscled their way through management and two weeks from tonight, it will be Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn and they will defend their tag team championships against the Usos. Heyman said it's guaranteed they will, they will, their tag team champ, they will, what? They will lose their tag team championships because Roman Reigns is losing patience with the two of you. However, he's pointing at Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn when he says this, but he's looking at the Usos who automatically think that he's talking about Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens. So they are building and showing cracks in the bloodline once again. And here's the thing. Man, WrestleMania, you know, that was on the 4th. This is, what, the 15th? Dude, uh, Roman Reigns has said nothing about the title loss. Nothing. It's kind of odd. Uh, your thoughts on the main event? Uh, yeah, I mean, a, a strong showcase again for um, Solo Sokoa, and it's good to see Riddle back in the ring after a, a long absence. You know, he was in rehab for a while, so it's good to see him back on television. Um there's obviously a couple of directions they could take this at this point, um, Kentucky guy. And I know that based on what I have read is that the next time that Roman Reigns is expected to defend the world title is at the next Saudi Arabia event in May, which has now been changed to Night of Champions. It was supposed to be an event centering around the King and Queen of the Ring tournaments, but now it's going to be Night of Champions where all the belts are going to be defended. And the thing is, obviously I want to see Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn remain the tag team champions and get a lengthy reign, but those two guys, Sami Zayn in particular, have both refused to complete compete at any events in Saudi Arabia in the past. Now, I don't know if either one of them are willing to compromise and are willing to go there because if they're not, then that leads me to believe that they're going to be dropping the belts sometime before that event, which would be unfortunate, but it's a very strong I'm possibility. I'm thinking in two weeks. I'm thinking that's how they keep the bloodline on every show. I don't know. I mean, I don't want to see it, but I don't know. I don't, I don't think I'd mind it. 
The Usos are a great tag team. If you like their shenanigans as a bloodline or not, I mean, they're phenomenal. So it, it wouldn't bother me seeing those guys champions again. Not at all. I'd much rather see them with Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn chasing them than the uh, private party and, or not private party, uh, whatever their name is, Montez Ford and uh, uh, the other guy. <laughs> Kentucky guy, you you want the smoke and and you know it. You just keep What's the name? Keep What's the name of their group? You're in denial. Street Profits, that's it. That's it. The Street Profits. Yeah. So uh, I've got one more headline, and that'll be it for today's show. Uh, I think you went through all yours, correct? All right. Uh, this one here, I wanted yes, to I just did. run through real quick because uh, it's something we talked about in the past, and uh, it's all coming to light. Former world champion quietly re-signs with WWE as other main roster superstars to debut. All right. So backstage news on veteran wrestlers saying the impact through this year, veteran pro wrestler Eric Young was reportedly re-signed by WWE several months back. In an update, a new report from Fightful Select notes that Eric has been under contract to WWE since as far back as November 1st, 2022, but he has not appeared on WWE TV, and there's been no talk of Young being backstage. It was noted that Young was recruited by the WWE Chief Content Officer Triple H and his regime just a few months after taking over. By October, Young reportedly notified Impact officials that he would be finishing up with the company. It was originally reported today by Ringside News that WWE had signed a few main roster-level talents as far back as 2022, but those wrestlers still have not debuted or returned. We now know that Young is one of those wrestlers. There's no word yet on the others. <laughs> That's exciting. That's exciting to me because we don't know what he's doing. And Eric Young's a phenomenal talent. And we can do Sanity. We can do Wyatt Six with this guy. There's so many possibilities because he's just a nut. And he's a great wrestler. So this is exciting to me. The other wrestlers who have re-signed and we don't know about, wow, who, 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 who could it be? Weird. Your thoughts? That, that was rumored for a while after his uh, Impact Wrestling contract uh, expired that Eric Young was coming back to WWE. Uh, you know, they certainly could do a Sanity revival and, you know, try to bring them back and give them the proper treatment on the main roster that they couldn't give them the last time around. Um, I, I, you and I have both talked about the prospect of Eric Young being a part of the Wyatt six, which I'm telling you, man, when they finally do bring Bray Wyatt back to television, they need to pull the trigger on this Wyatt six storyline because I am, I'm tired of all the shenanigans. I really am. I've, I've completely lost my patience for the Bray Wyatt storyline. It's like, make something happen or just release this guy. And we'll always have our memories of the better days of Bray Wyatt and WWE. Because uh, what, why do you bring somebody back and you're not going to utilize them? And Eric Young, like you said, you know, even though he's not my favorite wrestler in the world, he does have talent. There's no question about it. And he does have a crazy personality. And that could work really well on WWE yep, television. I think it's, uh, it properly. could be exciting times 
but you're you're right, and like I said, I'm not talking about Bray Wyatt this episode uh, because I'm just I'm over it. But you're you're absolutely right. The Bray Wyatt thing, uh, it's they're going to fool around, and it's going to be, and, and it's not just us. I mean, I I talk to fans all the time on social media and so forth, wrestling fans. Uh, some I've became actually decent friends with, and don't I mean don't really even know. <laughs> but anyways, uh, it's not just us. I mean, it, there's coming a time, and it's coming fast where it's going to be too little, too late, and people just don't care. And there's a lot of them, a lot of them. And I'm, I was the guy, I was the guy up until a few weeks ago that was talking these people off the ledges. No, no, no. You got to hang in there for the storyline, blah, blah. I don't do it anymore. I'm right there with you. Forget about it. I'm over it. Anyway, sir, that's all I've got for this episode. What do you have? I just want to uh, just, just go back because you mentioned uh, Jeff Hardy's return to M, M, uh, not Impact. To AEW this week. Um, yeah, I saw a video of his return and everything. And yeah, the guy looks healthy. The guy looks like he's uh, ready to come back to work. But um, I still worry about it. I, I, I still have my concerns. And um, obviously, I wish the man well in his journey to, to stay sober. Um, but I think bringing him back to television... Um, is a mistake. I think Jeff is one of those guys who's reached the point in his career where if he's going to be involved, he needs to just be involved in a backstage capacity, not wrestling on television anymore, because I think his it just took too much of a toll on his body over the years, and that's why he got uh, so heavily um, involved with substance abuse. So I personally think it's a mistake bringing him back to television, um, at least in this capacity. And, uh, yeah, really it's absolutely all I have to mistaken. Uh, okay. So yeah, he looks healthy and what have you. Here's the thing here. Here's why I'm sick of this guy. Every time he comes out, they'll show little kids in the crowd dressed like him. He is not a role model. This guy has serious problems. Don't get me wrong. I understand that addiction is a disease. I get it. But man, don't put it in these little kids' faces. I just, I, I'm done with the guy. I think the guy should retire from wrestling and get as far away from the sport I love, as far away as possible. That's just my opinion. But, uh, anyways, is that all you got, sir? All right, folks. So you've been listening to that is all against the mat wrestling podcast. With your co-host, Donnie Cage and the Kentucky Guy. And as always, God bless and God bless America.